And that'll that's, start it up. That's pause, right? No, that's... That started it, and now hit it again. Now. Well, good morning. I'll get a chance to get a little bit caught up. I am so excited to be here. I really am. This is going to be a great year. We are really looking forward to it. We are excited to be here. We are excited to see so many new faces and old faces, and it's just going to be a great year. We just know it. I'm not going to turn off the talking completely right now because I know you guys, and I know you love to continue to chat and catch up on things. So I'm going to give you a little directive, though. The next question I want you to ask as you get to know each other a little bit better, because that's kind of a lot of what HeartStrings is. Obviously, we want to be teaching the Word and learning what God is saying to us. But we also, we have this great opportunity to get to know new people here. So when you continue talking, and um, the next question I want you to, to do, ask around the table, just share a little bit about a, a memorable thing that happened this summer, something that memorable that happened. And I want everybody to get an opportunity to talk that's at your table. So don't tell the whole story. <laughs> Give a little synopsis of what something that was memorable for you this summer. So go ahead. Jesus came here to tell us about. 
It's the first words out of his mouth when he started his ministry. He said, repent, the kingdom of heaven is near. So what we're going to talk about is just such an amazing thing to think about and to really concentrate on it, to to just focus on that for for the first part of the years, for as long as we decide. We haven't decided how long yet, but but we are excited about that. But I'm going to start off by just reading some, um, some verses about the kingdom, just random verses. And so if you have your Bible, brought your Bible, Grab it, or as uh, Sean would say, your device, if you have your device. And, and if you do not have one, there's some on the back table. You're welcome to take one of those. And if you don't own a Bible, you're welcome to take it home. So grab one of those over there on the back table if you, if you want. Um, a lot of the, of the scripture is in your notes today, so, but the first... The first one I want you to turn to, though, in your Bibles is Daniel. And if you're not familiar with the Bible, Daniel's kind of a harder one to to find. But you just open up to the middle of your Bible, you're going to end up about in Psalms. And then you go through Proverbs and these Book of Wisdoms, Ecclesiastes. Keep turning, we're going to end up in in the prophets. Isaiah is a great prophet. Keep turning past Isaiah. Keep turning past Jeremiah. Get past Ezekiel. And eventually you're going to get to Daniel. So it's maybe a little over halfway through. We're going to look at Daniel 2 and at verse 44. And Daniel, as I said, was a prophet. And this is what he said in verse 44 about the kingdom. It says, In the time of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed, nor will it be left to another people. It will crush all those kingdoms and bring them to an end. But it will itself endure forever. So, um, and that's pretty amazing. That's a prophet uh, from Isaiah. The next one I'm going to read, and you don't have to look this up. I'm just going to read it because I'm going to go through several here. I just want you to think about this. It says in Psalm 103, 19, The Lord has established his throne in heaven, and this and his kingdom rules over all. In Matthew 6, these are... This, these are Jesus' words in, his, in the Lord's Prayer. He says, 6.10, Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. A phrase that we're all very familiar with. In Luke 11.20, this is Jesus' words again. He says, But if I drive out demons by the finger of God, then the kingdom of God has come to you. He said this right out after he did indeed drive out demons. And he said, The kingdom of God is near. Hmm. And then John 3, 3, Jesus says, I tell you the truth. No one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. What does that mean? What is he saying there? And then in Acts 1, 3, this is, is after Jesus' resurrection, it says, after his suffering, that means after he was, uh, was crucified, dead, buried, re- resurrected, after his suffering, he showed himself to these men and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. So what does this mean, this kingdom of God? What is the kingdom of heaven that he speaks in Matthew, in Matthew 4, when he says the kingdom of heaven is near? Um, is it now, or is it in the future? And how does kingdom living impact your life? Does it make any difference? Do we that live in the kingdom of God look any different than anybody else? And what does the kingdom of God have in store for our future? What is he saying about our future? 
And these are all questions that I've just been battling with in my own mind. And I put on the, on the, on the middle of your table some cards, some little post, some wine cards. And there may not be enough for everyone. Everyone may not even want one. But what those are for is if in, in the course of today you're thinking of a question that you have about the kingdom of God, or even just a comment, you have anything that you want to write down there and just leave it on the front and center of your table, I'd love to hear, see what you're thinking about or what you're not thinking about. Um, but if you have something that comes to mind, you feel free to write that down. Anything you want to ask about the kingdom of heaven. And hopefully maybe within the course of, of this, uh, this series we can, we can hit some of those points. But in the meantime, I want you to talk around your tables. And I want, the question that I have for you there is, um, what do you think of when you hear the phrase, the kingdom of God? What do you think of? This is a hard first question, so you don't all have to answer. But just what comes to mind when you think of the kingdom of heaven? And it's silent in here. Because <laughs> I gave you the hardest question first. <laughs> I know there's a lot of interesting things that are going around your table. Just start to get your mind thinking about this big, huge topic of the kingdom of God. Um, and still, you're still thinking about this topic I'm talking about. But I want to let, I've been thinking a lot about this this particular topic for six months. It's just been something that's been heavy on my heart and uh, just for me to try to understand what it's all about. Um, and um, as I looked around the world this summer, it became even more evident that I think it's really an important thing to look at, to, to kind of figure out what it was that Jesus said to us when he said the kingdom of heaven is near. What it was that Jesus is saying to our hearts. I look around at the world. I know it just seems like yesterday when we were all sitting here together in the springtime, but so much has changed in our world. I mean, you just look at what's going over in the Mideast, and it just it's almost too horrific to even watch the news. The beheadings and, and the, the Christians that are huddled in a, near a wall and on the top of a mountain that have been chased out of their homes and their families. We look at the Ebola virus out in Western Africa. I mean, in Sierra Leone, and they say maybe 20,000 people are going to be stricken with this incredible horrendous virus that's going around. We even see in our own country, we see riots in our cities, and we see a divided nation, and we see you know, all these things, and, and, and moral issues and problems that we have to try to figure out in our own head. How are we going to deal with that as Christ followers? And I think that um, the, the way to, to look at this upside-down world sometimes is just to see what did Jesus say about it? I always love, whenever I'm struggling with something, to say, what did Jesus say about this subject? So, um, but I just wanted to um, to get a, a sense of, of where my heart was as far as how it, urgent I think it is that we really see what God is trying to say to us about the kingdom of heaven. But first, I want to talk to you about something that happened to me this summer. I know last year, at the end of the year, I told you about the fly fishing stories, those of you that were here, and um, about going fly fishing with my husband, Chris, in um, in. Wyoming, on the Snake River. Well, we decided this year we would do the same thing again. And so, um, about a month ago, we flew out to Jackson Hole, and we spent the morning shopping in Jackson Hole. It was a great little city, and ate lunch at 
little fun 103-year-old log cabin, and then we shopped again in this cute little city. But we, by the end of the day, we had to go down to a town called Alpine, Wyoming, because we were going to take a two-day float trip on the Snake River. We had to meet our guide that next morning in Alpine, or right near Alpine, and so we had to leave Jackson home and drive down. And it was about four in the afternoon, so we got in our car and we started driving down the road, and, and there was the mountain on the right, and then down below was the big gully, and there was the Snake River that was down below, just rushing along. And, and shortly after we drove, we were driving, it wasn't a real long drive, maybe about 40 minutes, it started to rain. The clouds came in, as they sometimes do in the mountains. It just started to get really cloudy, and it started to rain. And so, um, and then after a few minutes, it started to come down harder and harder and harder. And it was kind of like what we experienced last night, but a little different. The mountain, in the mountains, when you get rain, it's, it's not these big pellets of water. It's the softest, mistiest stuff. And it just, it, and I heard later that in 20 minutes, it was two and a half inches of rain. Just the heavens unleashed this amount of water. You couldn't see the road, and it, but it, 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 it was just, it just whitewashed out everything you could see, so we always slowed down. And, and after about uh, 20 minutes, it started to let up. So Chris and I thought, good, we're going to make it to our destination. And I had been watching my Google Maps to kind of figure out where I, what we were and how far I had to go. It looked like we were about two and a half miles, three miles, something like that, five minutes from our final destination. And all of a sudden, the traffic in front of us had just stopped. There were about 20 cars in front of it, and they were just stopped. And so we stopped, and we kind of looked at each other. I wonder what happened. Did someone get in an accident? We noticed there was no traffic coming the other direction, which is always a bad sign. And so we just, and we, and we, were, we weren't moving at all. Finally, after uh, a, a few minutes, 20 minutes, 5, 15 minutes, something like that, one car had turned around and was talking to each driver as it came up the road. And a lot of the cars, after this car turned, they would turn their cars around and go back the way that we had been coming. So that did not look like a very good sign. And here we were. We were three minutes from our final destination. So now, by now, Chris is out talking to the drivers, and finally this, this truck comes up and tells, tells Chris that um, there has been a mudslide. And the, the mountain literally washed out in front of us, in front of our, in front of the road. And it was like four feet deep on one side, and it kind of trickled down, and it was a little less deep on the other side. But it was a swatch as, as wide as this room is. There was no way we could just drive through this mass of mud. We were literally stuck. And in that mud were rocks and trees. I mean, the whole mountain had just washed down, literally, right in front of us. So I'm going to stop my story right here, because I want to ask you a question. Wondering if you have ever had been close to your destination or just driving along or just figuring out where you're going in life and all of a sudden something happens and your life is stopped, you're stuck, you completely um, can't go forward anymore. Maybe it's, maybe it's an illness that came upon you. Maybe it was a death. Maybe it was your kindergartner going off to school and just can't figure out how to navigate this, or your, your college-age kid, that you're now you're nobody. It could be a good thing, it could be a bad thing, but have you ever experienced something in a time in your life and you just feel stuck? Go ahead and talk about that right here, well, I bet there's some pretty amazing stories, pretty heavy stories around the tables right now hearing where you guys have been stuck in your life or where life just doesn't go according to plan. Because life just does throw these things at us, doesn't it? 
Well, that's kind of how I felt this summer about um, just the situation of our whole our world and and what am I supposed to do about that? I just feel kind of stuck. How can I? How can I? What am I supposed to do? And I think um, having just retired last year and I'm trying to figure out, okay, how am I supposed to spend my time? What am I supposed to be doing? Kind of thinking, what direction to go? How, what are you saying to me, Lord? I feel like I'm in a really quiet period of my time. And, and, um, and kind of looking to see what God is saying to me about that. Well, back to my mudslide story. So here we are, Chris and I. Yeah, I'm back with that. We're back to... Um, Chris and I, I, I failed to mention earlier that we've been up since 4 in the morning because we took that early flight out, and so, um, of Moline, and so we've been up since 4, and it was now about 6 o'clock, and, and we are tired, and, and, and we can see our destination almost. I mean, it's, it's down the road somewhere. We know, we, we think it's two and a half miles. I now have no reception on my phone, so I cannot, I don't really know how far it is. Um... And we just figure out, what are we supposed to do? We're so close. If we decided to go back, like all the other cars, it's 40 minutes back to Jackson. Then you go over the Teton Pass, and then all the way around the mountain the other direction. And so it would have been over a two-hour drive to go the other direction. And here we are, two and a half miles from our final destination. Well, Chris and I decide to get out of our car, park it on the side of the road with all of our stuff, all of our fishing stuff, and our extra books that I brought to read and study, and, and all of our clothes, and all that other stuff we don't need, and leave that on the side of the road. And we, I brought my backpack with my Bible, because I always carry that in my backpack, and so I had that, so we had the backpack, the Bible, put a couple little essential things in the bag, we put on our walking shoes, we decided to walk down the mountain. And so the hardest part of it was we had to gingerly walk through this muddy, sludgy area that was really thick. We were hopping along these pylons that were holding up the side of the, the those things that you don't go off the side of the road. We were walking along that, and then there would be a clump of grass. We tried to rock on, walk on that, or a tree, or gra- uh, rocks, or whatever we could to get through this muddy part. And I had brand new tennis shoes on that were <laughs> completely muddy. But we got, finally got through that part of the road. And what happened from then on was just glorious. Here we were. Before, the, the road was just flying by me, and I could barely see the beauty from all the, the, the rain. But now we were walking, and I could see the mountain right beside me. And I could hear the, the Snake River down below. It was just rushing with water now. It was full of mud. I could see that it was full of mud. And, and um, then I could, I could see the thunderous clouds above me that I hoped wouldn't continue to rain on us, and it had stopped. And, and we could smell the fresh air. I mean, could hear hear things that we didn't hear when we were in the car. And Chris and I just had this great time walking down the mountain that was about two and a half, three miles. We don't really know. But we did get to our final destination, and it was it was like the best memory of the whole trip. Here was this thing that had completely thrown us off key, and um, but it was an adventure, and we loved it. And we just had the best time. Um, even though our car was still up the mountain on the other side of the mudslide. And we did finally get that after we cleaned it out. So we did get our stuff eventually. But as I reflected over that, I, and I often do this, when something happens to me and I just, I just think, okay, Lord, what are you saying to me? What kind of, I just, I love to take things that are in my life and say, okay, God, what are you saying to me about this? And as I reflected about that, I, it, it came to me that that's kind of how I've been living my life. I've been rushing around in my fancy car filled with all my stuff with the windows rolled up, and I'm just rushing down this road to my final destination. And he said, you know what? Stop. 
and look and see what I'm doing in your life and see what I'm doing and what I and, and, and see what, what I can say to you. Take off that fancy, get out of that fancy car, put on your walking shoes and walk with me and uh, hear what I have to say. And that's kind of how I want to look at HeartStrings this year. This is our time to take all that stuff, that busy life that we have, and we're going to park it on the side of the road with all our fancy stuff and all of our, our busy, busy lives. And we're going to take this time to just study what God has to say to us. This is holy time. This is when we get to talk about those things that God has been working in our heart about, what he is saying. We're going to put on our walking shoes, and we're going to walk with Jesus within the book of Matthew, and we'll take some side shoots too, but we're going to see what did Jesus say to to us and how is it relevant to us? I'm sure some of you, or a lot of you, have studied Matthew. You know these, these stories; they aren't going to be fresh and new. But we're going to look at them with fresh eyes and see what is he really saying. How can I apply it to my life today? That's kind of our hope for this whole year. And so, when you're answering these questions, I know there's always a temptation to go off and talk about what's going on, uh, completely offshoot of the questions. But just honor this time with the other people at your table to share what what God is doing in your life. And and where you're struggling, and, what, and try to see what God is, is saying to all of us here. So, enough about my mudslide story, um, but um, I want to just do some overview today and answer a few just big, broad questions about this kingdom of God. Can you just kind of put it in perspective of what we, because we're going to get really into the details in the next few weeks, but, but um, we're going to look at just kind of an overview. And the first clarification I want to um, go over is the difference between the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God. I don't know if you even noticed that when we were reading the verses, but in Matthew, the kingdom of heaven is often spoken. But when you get to Mark and Luke, it's the kingdom of God. Well, why? What's the difference? Are they the same? Are they different? What is that? Well, in Matthew, I don't know if any of you were in Bettendorf this week, but Jason did a great job talking about Paul and how he knew his audience. He knew who he was speaking to. And Matthew knew his audience, too. He knew he was speaking to the Jewish people. And they took very seriously that second um, commandment, that thou shalt not... um, Take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. And so they didn't even want to speak the name of the God. It was so holy for them. They didn't even want to speak it. So a lot of times they would say Yahweh, or they would say, um, or they would, they would use a completely different phrase when they referred to God. So in Matthew, when he's speaking to the Jewish nation specifically, he used the phrase kingdom of heaven. But, but Mark and Luke used the phrase kingdom of God. To them, they were talking to a wider audience, and to them, that made a lot more sense. When we get to John, and even in Paul, a lot of times they will use the because, especially with with uh, with Paul, they would use the word of salvation or eternal life. Sometimes that can be referred to as the kingdom of God, also. So, just to clarify, and this is, I think, your first fill-in. We like to get fill-in so we kind of keep you awake and alert. But the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God are interchangeable. Or you can say the same. They're interchangeable terms. And I put in your, in your notes, I think, there, this, this sample there. It says, there's an example of that. Even in Matthew, he says, we see... Um, Matthew 19, he says, I tell you the truth, it is hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. So even in that verse, he's kind of using both terms. They're interchangeable. And that's, we're not going to talk about that verse today. <laughs> but um, that just is a good example of how it's both, meaning both. 
And so what does this idea of kingdom mean? When Jesus says, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near, what does that mean? And um, I put it in your notes there that it's just this combined meaning, the supreme sovereignty power, um, along with this idea of this kingly rule. So Jesus is announcing that the supreme power, this, this, the coming rule of God, is going to rule everything. And this was just a, um, a radical idea. Because at that time, the Romans ruled the Jewish people. So to hear that the kingdom of God is near, this idea of a, that God had a kingdom and he was going to rule was just a, 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 really a radical idea for them. Um, when I first uh, started studying the Bible, uh, I think you're going to laugh when you hear this, or think I'm just ridiculously, but I, I, um, I thought, I was just amazed when I saw it read in overview, that the whole Bible was connected, that it was a continuous story. I thought that there was all these little stories in the Bible, the story of Noah, and the story of you know, Ruth, or whatever in the Old Testament, these things that happened, and that they didn't, they were just stories. And somehow, I didn't realize that it was all connected. And I mean, I just thought, oh my goodness, that makes so much sense. That's just amazing. And I, I think it's so crazy that that's how I thought. But the Bible is just, it's amazing. As you study it, the more you do, you see this continuous story that continues to, to build and to grow. And and, um, and then you'll see stuff in the Old New Testament that is it, reflecting back of what something that happened in the Old Testament. And then you say, oh yeah, now I get it, because it's just this continuous story. And um, one of the things I love to do when I travel is, is I love to, um, as you get in the airplane, and you see life right out in front of you. You can only see a little bit in front of you. And then as you take off in the airplane, and you all of a sudden can see down below, and you see how the Rock River is connected to the Mississippi River, and you see where all these things, and you just get this whole different view of life. When you take a look at it from above, it's just so fun to see how, how everything is connected. And that's kind of what we're, we're going to do today. We're going to look at how God's connecting this idea of the kingdom of God from the Old Testament and how it continues to build. The first main idea that I wanted to, to stress today is that idea that the kingdom of God has always been advancing. And what I mean by that, and I probably, I'm not going to see this or that, but... Um, that, that, that it's always been growing. It's always been, it's, it's just, it's this little idea that keeps building and building and building, and it's going to have this ultimate um, reality in the future that we don't even have yet, but it's just an amazing thing. But it's just this idea that it's continuing to advance. The actual phrase, however, kingdom of God, is not in the Old Testament. You'll see the phrase kingdom. But that phrase, kingdom of God, is not in the Old Testament. It doesn't appear there. But that idea has always been there. Um, from the beginning of the... I don't know if you remember when um, Israel was in the wilderness. And from the very beginning of time, they had um, what they called uh, their tabernacle. The tabernacle, in this wilderness time, all the other nations had their kings. But Israel now was taken out of Egypt, and they had Moses who was taking them through. But their king was always in heaven. He was God Almighty in heaven. It was that idea. And then they had the, the tabernacle, which was this box 
that they had built according to God's rules. And they put uh, this box in the tent of meeting. So as they were traveling around, they always had the tabernacle with them. This was a whole whole new idea for them. Their king, this was something that they 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 had. It was a symbol that, that God was amongst the people and he was directing their path. Um, so that idea that, so here, very ancient world, when Moses, the very first thing that, um, that he wanted them to know is that he was amongst them. He was with them everywhere they went in the desert. Um, but they, not only was their king with them, but they had spokesmen that talked to God. And in, in, in the Old Testament, in the tabernacle, when he was going into the tent of meeting, it was they always had prophets that would talk to God. So... If you can imagine just the difference of how it was for other nations. They had their kings. They had their rulers that were telling them. But the people of Israel had king in heaven, and they had spokesmen that told them how to live their life. Their Yahweh, their king, is their king, and the prophets were their spokesmen. And you see a lot of these, these prophets in the Old Testament. We read through some of them earlier. Isaiah and Daniel and, and Jeremiah and Nathan. There's just, just tons of prophets that were just the spokesmen of God to tell him um, how they should live. Well, as the, as the nation of Israel kept growing, and then we're taking a really fast track here, but we're going through judges, and they had other people that were ruling, the judges that were take, ruling um, the Israelite people, the last prophet was, and he was a judge, was Samuel. And I've got it in your notes, but he demanded, the people then demanded, we don't want our king in heaven. That's not good enough for us. We want a king that's right here, a physical king here on earth. And so in verse Samuel, 1 Samuel 8, 5, he says, A king to lead us, such as all the other king nations have. And the Lord told Samuel, listen to all that the people are saying to you. It is not you they have rejected, but they have rejected me as their king. Now listen to them, but warn them solemnly and let them know what the king who will reign over them will do. For he knew that, um, so at that time they they were basically rejecting this king that was in heaven. They wanted their own king to rule them here on earth, like all the other nations had. They went looking around at everyone else and seeing what they had. Um... But as this earthly kingdom came, and we know we know Saul, and then the story of David, they allowed God allowed them to have their own king. Um, but under this king, uh, this king was only to be a representative of the true king that was in heaven. That, so, that God, this yeah, this king that was your earthly king was only the representative, and under Yahweh's sovereignty, he was. Um, still, their God, God was sovereign. He was the one that was in control of these people, but they had an earthly representative. But they still had their prophets, and the prophets still served as the spokesmen. So now they had their earthly king. They had what they wanted. They had a king here on earth, as they asked. Um, but wonder how did that work for them? How did that go? How did that come about? Um, and when uh, David was king, um, he he was the, the the greatest of the kings, and he um, he got a promise from God, and, and the promise I've got it written in your notes here. This is what David was promised, and it says, "The Lord declares to you that the Lord Himself will establish a house for you, 
When your days are over and you rest with your fathers, I will raise up your offering to su- your offspring to succeed you, who will come from your own body, and I will establish his kingdom. He is the one who will build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be his father, and he will be my son. It's that father-son kind of relationship there. When he does wrong, I will punish him. He's talking about all the other kings that will come after David. With, I will punish him with the rod, with floggings inflicted by men. But my love will never be taken away from him, as I took it away from Saul, whom I removed from before you. Your house and your kingdom will endure forever before me. Your throne will be established forever. So now we have a promise that God's kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. So it's everlasting. So God is continuing to expand this knowledge of what kind of a kingdom he's talking about. And it's an everlasting kingdom. So here we have um, these people. Now they have their king. They have David. Saul was first, then David. And he's promised them an everlasting kingdom. So, puts into some in that verse. There is just some some minor points there that the kingdom will endure forever, and the lineage will pass through David. So there, he's giving them more knowledge. It's the idea this kingdom is still building, and there'll be a special relationship that father son between the kings with God. So he's going to have that special relationship with those kings. Um, when I study the, uh, the, the when you study about the, the king when they had these kinds of kings, what always is just amazing to me is that when and you think they would learn, but when they did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, when they did what they were supposed to do, their, their land the land just it just flourished. But when they did what was wrong, when they didn't obey God, when they kind of went their own way and kind of went whatever the culture said, they they, they, were, they had terrible problems. They had. Um, their lives would just fall apart. And over and over again, that happened in this time of the kings, when they were just, they'd be doing great because they were obeying what God said, and then they would be falling away because they wanted to do their own things. So, um, after um, they were given this, like, this, their own kings, kings um, the, the kings that followed, some obeyed, and some were disobedient. Um, David was given this prophecy that this kingdom would be everlasting around 1000 B.C. But in the year... 931, not only was the kingdom not everlasting, but the kingdom split. And we had this northern kingdom that was um, the, the, they called it Israel, and the southern kingdom. So not only were they not everlasting, but now they were starting to splinter off, the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. And then the northern kingdom, because they were worshipping other idols and going off on their own way, they were taken over by the Assyrians in 722 B.C. So then they were taken over by a whole other nation. And here they're, they're thinking, God, you promised us we were going to have an everlasting kingdom. So what's this all about? And then the southern kingdom was still going strong when they would, would obey what God said, but um, they were then taken over by the Babylonians in 605 B.C. So shortly after that, so here was the northern kingdom off into Assyria, and the southern kingdom off into Babylon, and there was no one on the throne. And here God had promised them, I will give you this everlasting kingdom. Um, So where is this everlasting kingdom, God said? Um, I think of this this a lot when I think of our nation, we kind of just 
keep getting away more and more from what God wants and farther and farther away from God. Let's see, think about that. Because I, I look at what happened in the, in the Old Testament when, they, when the nation did obey what God was saying. And when they were doing what, what he said, they prospered. And when they didn't, they, they just had, um, ultimately, they were taken over by others. I know that's a real big simplification, but I always think about that when, when I'm thinking about what, where our nation is going. So here it is, the king, the nation of Israel, they had no king now. And um, that no earthly king, that is. But then Daniel, and we all know some of the stories, or some of us know the stories of Daniel. He was a great prophet, and he had a prophecy also. And this is, this is written in your notes, and, and he, this is what, what God told him in, in Daniel 7. Um, in fact, maybe it's not in your notes. Well, got your, I don't know if you still have your Bibles open. This, let me see if you've got it in there. Um, no, you're going to have to look it up. <laughs> so we're back to Daniel again, chapter 7. Because this is a, it's kind of the... Daniel was an amazing prophet. They say that his prophecies were sort of the spine of all the other prophecies that came. He, just, his, he, was, he was an amazing prophet and a righteous man. And... So in Daniel 7, God gives him another vision. And it's chapter 7, verses 13 through 14. And this is what, remember now, they're in Babylon in a completely different nation now. In my vision at night, I looked, and there before me was one like a son of man coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the Ancient of Days, which is is God, and was led into his presence. He was given authority, glory, and sovereign power. All peoples, nations, and men of every language worshipped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away, and his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. Again, it's that idea of an everlasting kingdom, but it adds the new idea that the kingdom of God is for everyone. Not just this Jewish nation. All of a sudden, it's now for everyone. He's giving them more knowledge of what this kingdom of God is like. And then it goes on in 7 verse 18. Look at that verse also. It says, But the saints of the Most High will receive the kingdom and will possess it forever. Yes, forever and ever. So here Daniel was given the hope. These people were just completely taken over by the Babylonians. But... Daniel was given this vision of what his, this kingdom was going to look like. And seven years after they were taken out to Babylon, they came back and they were in um, Israel, or in Jerusalem, the city of David, there, there, there um, where they, the kingdom was going to be started. And, um, but they were still not under um, their, their own rulership. They were under other nations always. Um, the Medes and the Persians took them over, and they, so they were now under the, them. And the, the people of Israel still continue to do what they wanted to in their own way. And they continue to have this up and down. Even though God had shown them over and over again what would happen if they obeyed him. They still decided to go their own route. And so at, in the year 433, that's 400 years before Christ, that the last documented of, of anything that prophet said to the, the people of Israel was in the book of Malachi. And then there was silence. So these people... 
um, did not hear from God in the form of a prophet for those years. But in the, we know from history that in the 4th century B.C., 400 years before um, Christ, the Greeks did take over the Medes and Persians. So they were now under another group of people. And then in 63 B.C., the um, Romans took over the, the Greeks. And so now they're still under another people. But where is this kingdom of God? Where is the, the David and Daniel were spoken, were promised? Where is that Messiah that would deliver these people from their oppressors and set up that kingdom? Um, and that's when, that's where they were under complete Roman rule when um, Jesus entered into this world. I titled the, we titled this this year this radical and revolutionary because when Jesus entered the world, his ideas literally turned things completely upside down. What the Jewish people were looking for in this kingdom is completely different than what Jesus came to say, um, what he came to teach them. Um, The Israelites were looking for this king that would rule in this physical world, one that would conquer their enemies. And, And I've got a question for you. How different are we today than those early Israelites? Are you looking... For an earthly king to rule, are you putting all your hope that we will have someone that will rise and solve all of our problems here on earth? I just want you to ask that question around your tables. Oh my goodness, we just, I just tried to synopsis, you know, 2,000 years in the Bible. It's just a quick little idea. But I wanted you to get an idea of just how this idea of the kingdom of God, it just kind of, it's constant, it's kind of like, it's in there and it keeps coming and it keeps building. But there was never this reference specifically to the kingdom of God. Um, by the way, I have someone's child's past, number 29 child, will not be picked up unless... <laughs> yeah, Good. <laughs> It was in the bathroom, of course. So I know, I know we, we look for our, 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 our Savior to come from our earthly king here, don't we? We look for, for all of our problems. We have so many problems. We want our good leaders, and we want godly leaders. And, and so we look for them to solve our problems. But Paul teaches in Philippians 3, 20 through 21, he says, But our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control, will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. So we have a citizenship that's not um, only here. We have a citizenship in heaven. Basically, um, we live in two kingdoms. We live in a spiritual kingdom and a physical kingdom. Those are your next ones. We live in two kingdoms. And there's one is one is a spiritual kingdom, and the other one is a physical kingdom. This physical kingdom once was exclusively for the Jews that they had. Now it's our physical kingdom here. It's where we live. It's our government that we're under. For whatever your passport says, that's your physical kingdom that you live in here. But the spiritual kingdom arrived when the person 
of Jesus Christ came in his ministry. And that's what was so hard for them to understand when those first Israelites were there, that there was, there was a whole different type of kingdom. When Jesus said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near, their ears perked up because they said, yes, finally, our king is here, he's going to take over everything. But um, that's not what Jesus came to do. It was a different kind of, of kingdom. He says, and I read this earlier to you, but he said, if I drive out demons, and it's in your notes, by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come to you. It, indi- it indicates that he is indeed already present in the person uh, of Jesus. Because he said, if, I, if, if the kingdom of heaven is here, then I will drive out demons. He did drive out demons. So the kingdom of God has come to you in the person of Jesus. But the kingdom of God is the reign in, of uh, the kingdom of God is the reign of God in our lives, which we enter into by faith in Jesus. If, if you are a believer, then the kingdom of God—it's the kingdom of God—is not in you, but it's the reign of God in, in your life um, when you, as a believer in Jesus Christ. This is what they would come to know after all of Jesus' ministry. It's completely different than what they thought they were getting. Jesus declared, John 3, 3, he said, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless, unless he is born again. And we will get into that a lot more in other, other lessons. But um, this kingdom of God, it's, it's for everyone, but not everyone is in it. It's only those who have faith in Jesus Christ. And Jesus, he stated this another way. Jesus, at the end of his life, when he was about to be arrested, he said, My kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jews. But now my kingdom is from another place. And then I was reading this book, Culture Shock, which is a great book by Chip Ingram. And he says, um, he explained it this way. He says, we live in two kingdoms, a spiritual kingdom and a physical kingdom. They are at odds with one another, constantly in conflict. Jesus' ministry then and now is building a spiritual kingdom of love and justice that we will ultimately consummate when he returns. And I think this is the struggle that we have. At least I have so much. We live in this physical world that's so right here. It's so right in our face. It's, 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 it's what we, we have to, all the stuff that we have to get done in our days. But we also live in the spiritual kingdom. And how do we get this, this life of the spiritual kingdom so that we can... Um, it, 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 it affects how we, we do things. How do we, how do we live in these two worlds? They're constantly at odds. Um, I have another question I want you to ask around your tables, and that is, how often do you think about being a part of the spiritual kingdom of God? Um, how often do you think about being a citizen in the spiritual kingdom? Do you think of it um, of yourself as only an American citizen, or do you actually think about yourself being a spiritual king in the spiritual kingdom? Go ahead and talk about that. And as you're doing that, pass around the child care thing. <laughs> Make sure you keep passing that around. Those of you that are going to volunteer. Well, I think that's really the key. So try to figure out how do we think about this spiritual kingdom? How do we keep that at the forefront of our minds and our brains? And we've got so much coming at us from the world. I mean, so much coming at us all the time. How do we keep that in the forefront? How do we think about that? Um, I want to. Uh, the last thing I want to bring up, the last point that I want to bring up to you is that this kingdom that we uh, we're talking about is both present and its future. It's kingdom is both present and future. And you're kind of saying, what is that about? 
But I think it's it's good to know that it's not completely that it's not it's not in its ultimate form at this point. There's this constant tension in us right now of the now but the not yet. Those are your two fill-ins. That idea that the kingdom is present now. He was present when Jesus came and walked on the earth. It's present in in, uh, his disciples and their ministry. It's present in us in our ministry. We're we're spreading the kingdom of God. But the ultimate consummation of that is when Christ, the Son of Man, comes. And he receives, he returns to earth, and he receives his kingdom here on earth. And it's going to be an amazing time. And that's what, I think a lot of us, we don't even think about that that much. How, how this kingdom is going to come and it's going to be here on earth. Um, this everlasting kingdom. And every knee will bow to Jesus, the Son of Man. Um, Daniel saw it in his vision here. He said, and we read it before, but I'm going to look at it again. In my vision at night, I looked, and there before me was one like a son of man, coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the Ancient of Days and was led into his presence. He was given authority, glory, and sovereign power. All peoples, nations, and men of every language worshipped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away, and his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. My question for you, are we part of that kingdom of God? Are we going to get to experience that? All of us who are believers are going to get to experience that that someday. It's going to be an amazing thing. But where does that leave us today? Where does that leave us right now in this tension? We live in that tension of the now and the not yet. We live in this physical world where we have to deal with it. But also in that not yet world that, um, that Paul talked about, that citizenship in heaven. Jesus enters into our world, and he says to each one of us individually, he says, repent, for the kingdom of God is near. He's amongst you. He is amongst us today. It's not some foreign God far away. God is in and amongst and in our lives today. And our hope is that as we slow down and we look at all these passages in Matthew that teaches us how we are to live, that how we, it's going to teach us about who, who this king is, this Jesus, our king. That hopefully we'll learn more about how we are to live and who we really are. What God has created us to be. If we, if we don't ever see what, how Jesus was, we'll never understand how we are supposed to be ourselves. I want you to listen to a song, Cheryl, if you want to get ready, um, uh, that Michael Cardi wrote. Um, and it's, there's, the words of it are on your, uh, the lyrics are on your table, so you might want to grab that just to hear what he has to say there. So it's really a neat song, and, um, but you need to hear the words in order to see what it's talking about. A little louder. Misunderstood and undefined, a stranger to myself. Incarnate contradiction, I am poverty and wealth. I can believe in this thing, I can bless and I condemn. I'm dying in the darkness of not knowing who I am. And rising like the morning sun, the light begins to spark. In a voice that's vast and strong, and still. 
I pray, Lord Jesus, that you keep us protected from any evil, uh, from Satan or any evil activities in our life, Lord. Just watch over us and protect us. It's in your holy and mighty and glorious name that we pray these things. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, guys.